Welcome to Travelling 20, your weekly passport to travelling like a pro. I'm Jackie Falgate and each week I'll be joined by travel insiders to uncover their top tips in just 20 minutes. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Tourism Western Australia. Today on Travelling 20, we head west. I'm joined by Fleur Banger, a Perth-based journalist who knows WA like the back of her hand and will share some of her favourite itineraries to inspire your next Western Australian escape. Welcome to Travelling 20, Fleur. Oh, it's so good to be here. It's such a pleasure. I want to start by getting you to describe what it is about WA as a whole that makes it so unique. I think it's really the scale of it and how much diversity is packed into this state that represents about a third of Australia. You know, if you go from the very top where it's got the red rich soil that gets under your fingernails and into your veins and all of those amazing rock formations that are some of the oldest on the planet and then you come down the coastline and there is the world's largest fringing reef which you can access just off the sand you come down further there's Perth which is bustling and we've got cockers over on Rottnest Island making everyone swoon and then further south there's these tall tree forests with um, wineries on either side uh, and just so much beauty that you want to pinch yourself so it's it's quite an extraordinary state when it comes to diversity. So for those of us over on the east coast it is of course so varied and so different. But if I'm to fly to WA and I'm heading to Perth, what is my first impression going to be? Well, when you come out of the Perth airport, it's never pretty. Like most airports, it's not the best view. However, if you can hold on, hold on to your um, expectations until you reach the coastline. I've been here nearly 20 years and I still can't get over it. Every time I drive over a rise and out on the other side, as you head into Cottesloe Beach, is this extraordinary expanse of sparkling blue and if you get there at the right time with the sun in the right spot it cuts through the water so it's almost like glass and I just every time it gets me it's so beautiful the beaches really are I hate to brag but they're really other level over on the west coast (laughs) (laughs) because we're all very jealous over here on the east coast and your weather too coming from Victoria uh, mostly jealous of that beautiful WA weather. Yes I was in Melbourne recently and I was reminded of the whole four seasons in one day thing and Perth does not have that. (laughs) You don't need to bring an umbrella most of the time. (laughs) Okay. Well, there is plenty to love about Perth and let's start with the accommodation. I want to get your recommendations for those of us who maybe haven't been before or haven't been in a while because you have some magnificent places to stay. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't realise that we've got the hotel that was twice voted number two best hotel in the world by Condé Nast Traveller. And if there's any excuse to stay there, I think that that's a good one. It's called Como the Treasury and it's only only 48 rooms. It's in a historic building, which marks point zero of Western Australia. So when all the buildings were first built over a hundred years ago, they had, you know, the postal building and all the government buildings and this spot from where all the different measurements to different places were taken. And that's point zero. And this hotel is on that site. So it's a really special place to stay. And it also has an amazing fancy pants restaurant on the top level. And then it's got um, a really cool Thai eatery in the basement in very sort of 
uh, atmospheric surrounds with all this beautiful arches and things and it's got a, um, a beer hall which of course it would because the people behind it um, were the guys that started Little Creatures Brewery in Fremantle which is quite iconic now and if you like what they do they also started a, another new hotel called Alex Hotel which is in Northbridge and Northbridge is the suburb that's butted up against Perth CBD and the CBD is quite shiny and fancy whereas Northbridge is more of that gritty underbelly kind of you know but quite fun and interesting and a bit eclectic and depending on which street you're on you know it could either be tiny little small bars with fairy lights everywhere and dance halls and those sorts of things an Alex Hotel it's in the place you want to be let's just say that (laughs) okay well that is a very good inside tip and exactly what I need to know now when we think Perth we think quokkas and I am, it is absolutely at the very top of my children's bucket list to one day go and get a selfie with a quokka. But you've got a really yes. um, good tip in terms of spending the night on Rutness Island. Well, most people don't realise that these cute, smiley little fuzzballs that we all love, and even, you know, I must have been over to Rotto at least 15 times and I still take photos of them, um, but they are nocturnal. And so people don't realise that the the ones that are out during the day, they're kind of like, you know, they're the cute little seagull versions of the of the quokkas who like to, you know, see people and pick up any scraps. Whereas the ones that come out at night are the ones that are a bit more in tune with their natural um, habitat and the way that they're meant to live. And so if you stay overnight at Rotnest and you walk, say, from, you know, the pub up to your accommodation, maybe you're staying out at Geordie Beach, which to me is the most spectacular white sand beach there is on Rotnest and they have 63 beaches, so there's a lot. Um, but if you walk along the bike path because there's no cars on Rotnest, at night the quokkas are bouncing around like basketballs. They're just everywhere oh. and they're in the trees and it's so cute. And, you, you know, the kids delight in it because it's a surprise and they're quite, you know, they're, they're relaxed around people but they are still wild creatures. And, yeah, mm. my kids just think it's the like Christmas when these quokkas are everywhere at night time. And in terms of accommodation options there for the family, there are a few on Rotnest? Yeah, look, it, it sort of all depends what you like, whether you want to go high end at the new Samphire Resort, which now has a heated pool, which is much more enjoyable than the non-heated version it had before. Mm. That's the newest accommodation on Roto and it is very glam and it's right in the centre of the settlement. So it's very easy just to walk everywhere or grab a bike. Most people just put on their thongs and grab a bike and, and ride around the island, all eight do that it's quite lovely Mm. whereas probably I think it would be a 15 minute odd walk out of the settlement is Geordie Bay and that is the place that I like to stay it's a bit quieter and they have older cottages that are part of the you know not original but near original buildings that were put on Rotnest and my family loves that because you can stay literally on the beachfront all you have is ocean view and you walk down the steps and you're on the sand and it's where a lot of the yachts also moor up and so you get this confetti of yacht <laughs> looking out at you in the evening and you have a sunset over that bay and it's just magical. What a wonderful tip. I'm so glad that I know that now. So once we've done our Roto trip, we need to head down to Margaret River. I've been a few times. I absolutely love it, not just for the quality of the produce and the wonderful wine that you have, but the natural landscape of Margaret River is like nothing else. It really is because people think wine and they kind of know a bit about the tall tree forest. You know, the Kari trees rise up 60-odd metres and they're really quite spectacular because they are white-trunked and there's, um, you know, a section of forest called Boronup Forest that has dozens of them. It's like toothpicks just coming out of the earth and that is really breathtaking. I always recommend people drive there. It's about 
10 or 20 minutes south of Margaret River Town. And most people don't go past Margaret River Town, so they don't realise it's there. But as well as the forest, there's these cliffs, you know, and you can do abseiling down them if you want to. And then these these beautiful rock formations in the water. And there are certain spots along the coastline where the surf is broken by these rocks. And you can imagine all the, the waves just fizz over the top, um, you know, like a a lemonade or something and there are natural spas that people know about and um, you can go down to those and just sit in the water and have this water fizz over your shoulders Um, injured up natural spas probably my favorite it is getting a bit better known now so you you have to go (laughs) early or late to um gotta go soon flair yeah you gotta (laughs) avoid the influencers who are taking all their beautiful photos there (laughs) and also go on a smaller swell rather than a big one because otherwise the waves um you know it's Definitely white water that comes through as opposed to little effervescent bubbles. <laughs> You're giving us a wonderful list of insider tips today. I think I want to do, I do though want to focus as a wine lover on some of the wineries, the must visit wineries, um, because there are some iconic Australian, um, iconic Australian wines that come out of the Margaret River region. Yeah, there really are, you know, and if you like Chardonnay like I do, that's my favourite, then Margaret River is just your absolute mecca. It's also really amazing for for Cab Sav, but lately there's been a lot more new wave kind of winemakers playing with natural wine and all the different varieties that you don't see as much. But if you're talking about the icon wineries, you really must go to Cullen. And Cullen is interesting because it has this huge reputation and it's very polished and the wine is exceptional and quite expensive and deservedly so. But when you get there, it's kind of this really approachable Um, you know, very welcoming, sort of not hoity-toity, fancy-pantsy kind of place. And you go in and it's like having this wonderful kitchen kind of restaurant where it's all very relaxed and you can sit outside under the peppermint trees in the wonderful shade and they've got picnic um, tables, which are not fancy, but the food is exceptional. And then as you look out over the vines, you notice that there's this interesting-looking garden off to the left and it's, you know, coiled like a shell. And it turns out that, um, you know, Cullen is obviously into biodynamics and organics and all that sort of thing. You know, they've been biodynamic for years and years. And I think it's one of the reasons their wine is so, has such clarity to it. But they have this permaculture garden that they constructed a few years ago because they wanted to teach people how it all works and how different plants work together. And so you can wander um, in this sort of circular shape and see the permaculture garden with lots of info in it. And I just love that it's so approachable because it's not what you expect from you know, very high profile winery, um, this very grassrootsy approachable feel. And it's the same in a way at Vas Felix, you know, which is just around the corner from there, because a lot of them are clustered in this one particular part of Margaret River called Willie Abrup. Vas Felix is, again, a bit more grand, but it has, and it has this outdoor sculpture collection because um, the Holmes Court family own Yes, it. I've been there. It's unbelievable. Mm, yeah. And Janet is obviously very into her art. So yeah, amazing art through there. And they have the, like the secret cellar door down below um, the winery, which you can do special tastings in. So if you, it's, you know, something that you've got to, I think, prearrange, but you can have these very special experiences sometimes with the winemaker as well. And I've done that and that's really fun. Uh, and then the other place I tip off for you is, um, Voyager, you know, another well-known winery, you go there and it's got this really looming Cape Dutch style architecture, very white. And then they have a really extensive garden, heaps and heaps of roses everywhere. And tucked in around the back, 
is a kitchen garden and you can go there and smell the smells and, you know, crunch up the leaves and the herbs and, you know, they've even encouraged me to take a zucchini once, which was fun. (laughs) (laughs) So again, you know, fancy place but very approachable Uh, and then you get to enjoy the wine on top of all that. I have done all three of those wineries, Fleur, and I remember them well and consider them to be some of the most beautiful places we've ever visited. Um, I did want to get this tip from you, though, because back when I went, uh, there was no direct flight, but there is now a direct flight from Melbourne to Bustleton, which I think is really good to tell our listeners if they are coming from Melbourne. Oh, absolutely. It makes it so easy. So Bustleton is kind of the one of the major towns in the region of Margaret River. It's up the um, northern end. And so you can fly in there. And Bustleton used to be somewhere that had a really pretty beach and then you'd kind of move on and go to the wineries and everything else. But Bustleton has evolved probably in the last maybe two, three years into this really interesting, thriving Um, foodie kind of hub so it's got this great new brewery called Shelter Brewery which is right on the foreshore it overlooks this stunning turquoise water which like you know most WA beaches unbelievably clear and white sand and it looks over this um, enormous long um, jetty which is 1.8 kilometers I think it's the longest jetty in the southern hemisphere you can take a train down it if you don't want to walk but they're redoing the underwater observatory at the moment I think and so you can go to the end of the jetty and then go down and see all the sea life, which is really interesting because we have this thing called the Lewin Current that runs along the coastline. It's a warming current and it goes in a different direction to most other currents and it enables the sea life to be partially tropical. It's sort of like a crossover region where you get temperate and tropical fish and corals and all sorts of things. So that's really worth doing. On top of that, there's this cute little restaurant called Alberta's where the former head chef of Noma in Copenhagen he happened to you know hook up with a girl from Margaret River who happened to run the kitchen garden at Noma and they've opened (laughs) their own little place in Margaret River in um, in Bustleton and so again like doing really interesting stuff more simple than what they do at Noma um, and not necessarily what you'd always expect it definitely challenges the locals a little bit sometimes but people overall really love it. And so they're just two things. There's just, there's a whole lot. I, I love that. A, a little taste of the world's best restaurant in Bustleton. Um, now let's head north a little bit to Ningaloo Reef, which again, I think is one of those Australian landmarks that is on everyone's bucket list to one day visit. Oh, it's got to be done. You know, I think if you've done the Barrier Reef, you need to come to Ningaloo because the Barrier Reef is beautiful, has lots of colour and all that sort of thing, but it also has a two hour boat ride that you have to endure to get to it. The thing about Ningaloo Reef is, apart from its size, you know, being, I think, the longest fringing reef in the world and a World Heritage listed area, um, you can literally just walk off the beach and you're really close to it. It doesn't take long to swim out to at all. And so suddenly you've got all this coral, this fish and all this sea life. And on top of that, everyone would know that the whale sharks come to visit Ningaloo. So they have known for a long time that it's very special. Took us a bit longer to wake up too. But these extraordinary, very safe, very friendly fish with 300 tiny wincy little teeth. Um, They only eat krill, so don't worry. But swimming with one of those, I mean, people talk about it being completely life-changing. And so if you go to Ningaloo, obviously you have to do that. And I like to tell people that it is kind of a little bit different than what you might expect because 
it is this wondrous experience once you're in the water swimming with one, but getting into the water when they spot one is this really frantic experience where it's like, go, go, quick, put on your, you know, flippers, get in there. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh my God, all right. It's not this dreamy slow thing that just, you know, you plunge in and suddenly float next to a whale shark. It's it's frantic. And then you, they swim quite fast. So you've got to keep up with them. But in that moment when it's coming towards you with this enormous wide vacuum cleaner, like mouth and you kind of struck and almost go into like you know rabbit in the headlights kind of experience it is just uh, unbelievable and so yeah you've, you've got to do that on Ingaloo Reef. Oh it is top of my bucket list I've said that a lot over this podcast series but to see a whale shark and to have that experience I think as you said would be absolutely life-changing and I did want to touch on the Kimberley as well because such a beautiful region and if we are coming to WA it would be remiss of us not to visit there. The Kimberley is probably my favourite part in all of WA. I try and get there every year and there's always expensive things that you can do and the Kimberley has plenty of those because it's very far-flung remote these places that you want to get to a, a you know typically out of the way however you can still do it um, in a really affordable way and so just um, I think it was in August I was up there last with my two kids and I hired a four-wheel drive on my own which I think is you know very empowering and um, now that the road that heads from Broome north up to the Dampier Peninsula it's fully paved that happened during COVID it was a 65 million dollar project that road had never been fully paved before it was deeply corrugated red earth it felt like your teeth were going to fall out if you were driving it it was awful (laughs) and that's why people would pay $800 to fly up to the end of it Um, so now you can drive up there in two to two and a half hours it's very doable you can even go on a two-wheel drive so long as you're not going far off the main road because obviously the side roads are not paved but you can reach some aboriginal communities are two to three k's off that road and they're open now for people to come and visit there's a new camping ability called camping with custodians and there'll be a new campsite that opens up in May at Lombardina community where they have a lot of the shell carving pearl shell carving artists who are quite world renowned and yet little known within Australia Um, there's also a really amazing family-owned pearl uh, farm where um, again it's two to three k's off the main road Um, it's quite well graded so you can do that in a two-wheel drive and they have um, really um, beautiful new safari tents so you can stay there and have air conditioning which is again a very big luxury for the Kimberley when you're out far flung like that Um, and they have these tours there's one that I did recently with an Aboriginal woman it's quite new she takes you across these giant giant tides because they have some of the largest tropical tides in the world in the Kimberley. They rise and fall by up to, you know, 10 to 13 metres. So if you imagine like a two or three storey building, that's how far the water goes up and down every single day with the tides. And that's what makes it perfect for growing pearls. But Aboriginal people who lived out on the islands out in the Buccaneer archipelago, they used to create mangrove rafts and they would ride these tides into the mainland to trade and to um, collect things and do ceremony, all that sort of stuff, and then they'd ride them back out again. And so this descendant, this wonderful wow. woman, she now takes people out, obviously in a boat, but um, you get to see that firsthand and it really is marvellous. Fleur, what a beautiful picture you've painted of WA. I don't think I could have a favourite spot because I would like to visit all of them. And do you think that's the the main takeaway about WA is that there's just so much to do there, not just for couples, but also for families and if you're on your own? 
Yeah, there's so much to do. It will, you know, sort of light you up no matter which bit you choose. But I think it's always good to know what do you love. If you love snorkeling, go to Ningaloo. If you get really high on extraordinary rock formations and age and wonder and quiet, go to the Kimberley. If you love wine and nature, go to Margaret River. You know, WA is somewhere that you can cut into sections in a way and visit multiple times. Don't try and do it all unless you're going to spend, you know, a serious amount of time over here because it is big uh, and you don't want to wear yourself out. Come and do those special, wonderful bites. Fleur, wonderful to chat and thank you for giving us that beautiful insight into WA. I'll definitely be back. Well, I'll Look me up and I will take you out and show you all the good places. I'd love to do that. (laughs) Will do. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. Experience more of the world's best holiday destinations with luxury escapes, with more inclusions, more value and more expertise. Find and book everything you need from hotels and resorts to flights, tours, cruises and experiences. Stay up to date with other episodes of Travelling 20 on Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And visit luxuryescapes.com to get more from your next holiday.